0: This is the 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me, I have two-thirds of the In the Finest Hour crew that is an INTFH invasion. hmm We are taking Sean over. Sean and Ben Jurik.
1: Howdy, howdy. Hello, listeners.
0: Uh, and I should point out that that they are not Sean and Ben they are They are two separate... People, Sean Morgan and Benjy. Excuse me.
2: No, we have become one. The oh, mind fair. of the high. Is Sean is finally here.
0: evil? Mm.
2: I can. I'm free to be evil on this podcast. Yes.
0: I imagine the three of you record in the finest hour in the costume of that being in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the three-headed yes. giant. Yeah,
2: you, it, we don't like to talk about it because it's kind of like a personal thing. But yeah, that's how we record all of our episodes.
1: Who gave you the secret stream?
0: I, I mean, I just knew, I could tell. It was your inflections. Because Ben mm-hmm. is definitely the middle one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, for those of you listening, it is, in fact, Election Day in the United States. I We do have a ton of listeners in the U.S., and so I actually wanted to lead, all, lead off this episode with just a quick PSA. I'm, we're releasing this episode at, at uh, midnight Monday or, um, you know, Tuesday, late, late, or early, early, early Tuesday, uh, and so for those of you listening to this early, please uh, go out and vote. Um, I know the general election is a fiasco; it always is. It's very, very overwhelming. And Ben, and, um, our, I I had to uh, vote for seventy district court judge ballots or uh, uh, positions with um, our ballots. Uh it was it was a lot, but the local elections are so critical and important. So you know, take the time to go today if you can. Go out and vote. Uh, it's very, very important. Um, it's you know, it's what our country, our country's government was literally you know designed for, for these votes. So just get out and vote. It's important. That's all.
1: With a resounding yes, vote.
0: All right. Speaking of voting, I think the public has voted on how they agree about Forge World, um, and I feel like it's a resounding. Meh, the but s- the strongest talk, meh. I would it's say it's a strong, yeah. a strong meh. Which, to be fair, by Forge World standards, is is a very, very light reaction, uh, considering how mm. much Forge World rules changes. You know, completely changes everyone's opinions. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Forge World Compendium. How what we think the future holds, both for Forge World and the factions that were affected by the Forge World compendium. Uh, and then we're going to just kind of talk about what we like, what we don't like, what units we're going to play. Uh, I know Ben is eyeing some potential Orc Forge World units. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we jump into that, I want to congratulate uh, our patron Quintin. Uh, Quintin won the $100 FLG shopping spree, uh, Bonanza. Uh, and so if you'd like to sign up for that, you can add over to Patreon, which at the end of the episode I'll give you more details about. But congratulations, Quentin. And then also this episode was brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can buy tabletop goodies and stuff. And you would be able to buy uh, pre-orders, GW pre-order stuff, if GW didn't stop allocating all of our things completely. Uh, And second PSA, right after you're done voting, head over to your local gaming store, knock on their door with your mask, and order something from them, please. Because uh, GW is hardcore allocating the number of models stores can buy right now It is crazy it's the Outr- the outrider bikes were were allocated an insane amount the books like everything it's it's they haven't done this in a while and it's kind of awkward and odd because you, you know with all everything going on you would think their production lines would have been consistent but for some reason right now everything's being allocated really hard and it looks like it's not going to change for the next couple of weeks uh looking into the age of sigmar release in the future so Sean and Ben, go to your local game stores and buy stuff from them if you can. They need it. I will buy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So first things first. The Forge World Compendium book came out. I have a first impression, as I'm sure you two do. Uh, I have actually not physically read the book uh, because it was moved over to Forge World's web cart. Um, store owners were originally told that it wouldn't be. Basically, long story short, uh, we didn't get a copy of our, our Forge World book yet. Uh, everyone else has a review copy. We don't. We don't know what happened. It doesn't matter. Uh, I've got a friend to send me um information on the book, very detailed information. They were a very very nice friend who. So I, I have a good idea of how like everything is. I obviously don't physically have the book on me, but I'm gonna do the best I can. And there are also a ton of articles online you're gonna find not only the forge world stuff but also space wolves supplement review death watch supplement reviews so i highly recommend going over to like goon tabletop titans uh your you know your usual man this is a very pluggy episode today <laughs> I, yeah I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of out of you listeners i'm i apologize you know just you got to go vote then you have to go buy stuff from your local game store and then go support these other reviewers and uh but seriously though like they keep the community running, so support them too. Just support everyone. You know, that's, that's an oh, I'm able the sponsor. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, jeez. Anyways, uh yeah, there's gonna be a lot of reviews online, so we're not gonna cover the Spacels and Death Watch Codex Supplement this episode. Maybe next week, uh depending on how everything goes. I generally like to avoid codex supplement reviews on chapter tactics. I like to keep to more general uh tactics and competitive forty K news. Uh, and also, supplement reviews are done to death. However, Forgeworld is a completely different exception. So, Forgeworld traditionally has shaped the landscape of competitive 40k way more, in my opinion, way more than it should, right? So, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, go ahead, Sean. I was going to say, that
2: has been something a lot of people have variously, like, disliked. Like, a traditionally for for people who remember back to like 6th and 7th edition is what well, especially um forge world for the number of units they released had an outsize impact on competitive play because they had a tendency to make a f- lot of really bad units and then like four units that were just like absolutely off the charts wild yes
1: Yeah, I have the general idea that, you know, there's usually a bad taste in the person's mouth, especially with some players on the mention of Forge World models in general, or do you allow Forge World models? Yeah. I've seen that be less the case, um, since I am a late joiner into 40k, but I've definitely heard some horror stories of beforehand, and well, witnessed them firsthand, now that I've actually, you know, had some playtime.
0: Yeah, 10 years ago, 10-12 years ago, tournaments didn't allow Forge World. Uh, that was a yeah. big thing that Reese always used to talk about when he was first forming the ITC. Was tournaments weren't allowing Forge World for the longest time, uh, and then kind of I think like mid fifth to like early sixth edition, there was kind of a shift in philosophies there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Forge World, especially I think in seventh, sixth edition Forge World, I don't remember there there being a ton of bad things in sixth edition Forge World.
2: Oh, there were some.
0: There were some? I, mean, I don't remember. Sixth edition uh, the the Barbed Duel
2: was a huge oh, thing yeah. for Tyranids back then, because that. it was like a a knight-class shooting platform that could benefit from a lot of buffs. And Yeah, I, I'm not going to go into the whole history of <laughs> what's ever been good for Ford World, but there were definitely units.
0: Okay, that's fair. 7th Se- edition was the edition I really jumped into uh, hard, and so... um. I just remember Forge World was all over 7th edition on top of a variety of other broken things. Um, so I guess the point of all this conversation is that whenever a Forge World book comes out, uh, w- we have to look at it as a community and we ha- we kind of have to digest it. We It's just, it's going to be our probably, I suspect, our only update of 9th edition for Forge World. Uh, and nice. I only go that because of the precedent that Forge World sets in that we only got one update for Forge World in 8th edition. Um yeah. only one book, I guess. I we did get like an FAQ for uh Custode's graph because they were they were an issue. Um and we'll talk about more that more in this book, but
1: Well, I'd like to be salty for orcs because they got their uh kill tank bumped up in points out of nowhere.
0: Do you know what? Seventh edition, Big Mac BuzzGob uh <laughs> left such a bad impression on <laughs> everyone. Uh and shout out to Val for saying typing one of the funniest things on Facebook in that uh um Kudos to the ITC for allowing Big Mech Buzzgob, you know, a 400 point model who's clearly undercosted compared to the regular Shampa to survive and to be used. Even though we could have easily just eradicated it or voted that we couldn't use it. But um, anyways, Orc players, yeah, Orcs traditionally have not had great FAQ Forge World stuff. Um, but uh, so that's what we're gonna do. Talk about the we're gonna talk about the Imperial Armor Compendium now. Sean and Ben, first impressions. On the book, uh, Winners, Losers, um, kind of what you thought, what was the first thing you were kind of looking forward to reading about?
1: My first impression of the book um, overall is I'm actually not mad about it. I'm pleased and um, saying that uh, there's nothing busted. Um, there's nothing that like clearly jumps out that's like, oh my god, this is broken. It's going to be ran in every list ever. At least not yet. There might be something that shines later when you combine it with like new codexes as they come out and such. But Initial review is meh because, like, everything's relatively balanced. It's written okay enough. There's, like, some keyword misses that are weird um, that I'll talk about later. But everything that was a problem 8th edition was answered in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And they seem to be really pushing a specific type of model in this compendium. They seem to really like big, tanky things. They seem to be pushing on those a bit. Uh, as kind of like an overall view of what they're doing with the book i also like to peek into some of the units and some future codexes that will be coming out that gives you an idea what they're going to do with like damage profiles on our such in later weapons of other um you know armies will be coming out in their codexes so it's kind of like a little sneak peek i like the idea of that so you have an idea where things are going but there are definitely a lot of losers and there's a lot of stuff that got cut There's a lot of chaff that's gone, and as I mentioned, they answered um, a lot of the problem units in 8th edition. Some of them just straight up got removed, (laughs) naming the Chaplain Dreadnought for one.
2: Well, we know he was going away. That was no surprise.
0: (laughs) Uh, Sean, what do you think?
2: Um... It's interesting they very clearly have taken a a conservative position with this book whereas the the earlier Forge World books have all been like real hot and cold in terms of like what units are good um I feel like they had a better grasp on what they're doing here and they they I think they made an explicit choice of we don't really want Forge World to influence the way tournaments play out, so we're going to make everything good enough to use, but not good enough to be popular. And I feel like that's where a solid 90 to 95 percent of units in this book sit, of like, yeah, you could bring this. It's not really a good reason to because something from the codex probably does a similar job as efficiently or maybe even a little bit better um but if you want to use your pretty models you can they're fine um and and there's a handful of exceptions to that but that seems to be what they're trying for and honestly i think that's best for the game
0: yeah
1: I'm in agreement with the exception of a couple of armies that we'll get through as we go sure, through that, this. That's but that's my yes. broad strokes version. In yeah, and, and a broad strokes, the majority of the stuff is just like, well, you could just run a codex unit.
2: Yeah. But I think yeah. that's a, not a bad take to do, especially in light of, like, I believe Pablo's right here, that we're not going to see another Forge World Index. We're going to see a bunch of PDFs as units are released. But we're not going to see another Ford World Index in ninth edition. So they just they took this and they they laid down a very conservative base and just sort of said like this will be good enough uh, because Ford World is not supposed to be like the center of competitive options. Uh, that's that's part of the problem that people had with it in earlier editions was like finding that one weird unit from uh, a online only pdf that was released two and a half years ago it's like well they forgot to put in the word and or on this so actually it does (laughs) 5d6 mortal wounds to your entire army
0: it's actually oh cool (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i agree with you sean um and you bring up actually a point that i i do want to talk about um right after this uh and that is the idea of what what is Forge World's role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my first impression on the book uh, is basically it, it looks exactly like vin- not vintage, like classic ninth edition, late eighth edition GW. Um, they've mm. really you can tell that GW wrote these rules and not the Forge World team, um, Absolutely. because yeah. things <laughs> things are universal. Uh, they look consistent. There is some stuff. Uh, you know that that looks like it might be missing, or we might need an FAQ about. But let's be honest; that's always the case for every book, yeah. not just Forge World. Um, it doesn't look like things are are unalphabetized. It, you know, the book looked more professional from the pictures I saw, and from what like what I've seen so far of the book. And uh, overall, I, I kind of I like it. It, it is a good resounding meh for me. Just good. I don't see anything that I immediately want to take. I. If I want to, I can take some of the cool models that I still have and maybe try them out. Um, maybe there's some good stuff. There's some winners, some losers. It feels more like a codex now than just this obscure, obscene, weird rules concoction.
2: Yeah. Right? Can can I just amend rather than "meh"? I think a, a better way for it might be "okay." Okay. That's um, because that's "meh" fair. implies that it's like mediocre, and and this is. Fine. It okay. it works, which is more than you can say for most of the older Forge World rules.
1: In agreement with you two, I will say that this is definitely a, huh, all right, we got something to work with. If you already own the models, you have no reason to be mad. Yeah.
0: I, I feel like we're all hitting the same tonal, you know, reaction um, with just variations being meh, okay, and hmm. Um, I define those as I'm a little disappointed, to I'm a little pleased, to I'm a little intrigued. Um, but either way, that's good. Uh, those are traditionally not the reactions you get when uh, Forge World rules come out. Uh, that wasn't the yeah. case last edition, um, when Forge World dropped an, abs- an insane amount of random 8th eighth, eighth, eighth edition rules that took the GW FAQ team an entire edition to fix and errata and FAQ. So, it- it's nice. It's it's a good thing overall. Um, now on to why 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 do we care about Forgeworld? World? Uh, and that's something the question I always ask myself. That I, I now is becoming a subtopic for the podcast. Uh, in both of your opinions, what role does Forgeworld serve in the general FAQ or g- general GW Forty K, you know, uh, ecosystem? Uh, is it is it a uh, supplemental rules to to let you use pretty cool models? Is it something that GW wants to experiment with rules or is it something that a tool for narrative players to have? Um because I feel like those are all definitions that I've I've kind of waffled around, but I've never settled on just one. Or is it all
1: of those? do, do you want my honest opinion I or do you want my opinion. PC opinion? Ben I <laughs> want your
0: honest to goodness opinion.
1: Forge World in my honest opinion is very cash grabby um <laughs> it's it it benefits gw it doesn't benefit stores if you're buying forge world you're only giving gw money so that that's always been my like my my thorn in my side about uh, forge world models now on like a rules and production aspect it gives them the opportunity to do some uh low model count low like production stuff and kind of like we want to make this really cool model, but we don't want to mass produce it and invest the money in the tooling of for plastic injection molding and all sorts of stuff. But we still want to make this thing that we know people will buy.
2: Yeah, Fort World, I feel, kind of sits as like, it is the, the premium version of 40k uh, for people who are already far too invested in the hobby and want to invest some more. It's not really a test bed for rules, I don't think, and I don't think it really ever has been, because Forge World has not really ever been, like, in line with what the rest of the Games Workshop does. Um, so I don't think they're going to use it that way, and I don't think they should. Um, it It is a way for them to make these, like Ben said, pretty low-production-run models and they are obligated to give some rules to them because this is a game and so they make some rules that are fine you are, are usable that, that work well enough and and that's really all it needs to be it's not leading the way on the game or anything
0: yeah i, I mean i I agree with both of you uh i think m- my theory now currently is World's role has changed i think before they were the premium option like sean talked about for sure definitely in seventh and eighth edition uh when plastic early eighth edition all of seventh edition when plastic wasn't quite keeping up with what resin miniatures could make right uh you all forged also had the opportunity to go in there and specifically add characters uh and character two characters ha to uh you know in, in uh that we love, right? The uh, things like Primarchs and uh video game the, the Typhus guy or whatever it is the the term the back flipping Terminator dude. Front flipping Terminator dude. You get my point. <laughs> uh they, they they I've always felt like that was their role, right? Was to give us these cool, characterful, amazingly detailed models uh that GW just doesn't have the time to make. Because they're constantly on this release schedule, they've got all these games, all these IPs to manage, they're doing a bunch of stuff. They have to make kits. So Forge World is kind of like the scalpel. Um, Now, I don't, I mean, I can still see them fulfilling that role. They're clearly not doing that role because they haven't released a Forge World character, a 40k character for Forge World in a long time it's been an insane amount of time. If you look at the Forge World releases now, it's all supplemental things, some 30k, uh, a lot of box games, things like Blood Bowl, Adeptus Titanicus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So now I don't I don't know what Forge World's role is. Before it was definitely give us these cool characters uh and then you have the freedom to give them wacky rules uh to make people excited, right? And so I predict that Forge World is going to slowly move away. Uh, we might even see a, a Primarising, uh, which is a term that we've seen thrown around a lot in 8th edition, a Primarising of their range, uh, where GW picks the plastic kits that they like from Forge World, makes them plastic, and then Forge World no longer sells that kit. I could see that. They're losing a ton of 40 k kit kits. Right. That's
1: a, that's a theory I like because I, I'm i missing my chin arc already.
0: Right, it, and and it makes sense. They're they're, they're you know they're discontinuing forty k models with rules that that already have established rules, and they're just continuing like random models that the, they don't really make a lot of sense. So, I mean, they did sell the Chaplin Dreadnought like two years ago. I I understand that we don't want to see the Chaplin Dreadnought come back. Uh, the point is, is that they're they're just no longer printing these you know these perfectly fine forty k units. So I think that Forge World's role in the future is going to be more and more limited, and then they're going to take up the mantle of what they did for 40k and 7th and 8th edition for th- games like Blood Bowl, Adeptus Titanicus, Warhammer Fantasy, The Old World. Um, and they're just going to be kind of like GW's... Uh, you know when you, when you have a younger sibling and you give them the controller when you're <laughs> playing a game, but the controller isn't plugged into anything? So that they don't mess up your Skyrim profile, your Skyrim log save, or whatever. I feel like GW is going to do that for Forge World. I feel like, like, hey, you know, y'all, we love your stuff. You know, you, you, you like good enthusiasm, kid. But we're going to make you produce like Blood Bowl characters, and Adeptus Titanicus characters, and like let us. Here's run more the thirty flagship. k stuff, right? Here, yeah, <laughs> do thir- That's your thing. Thirty k is your jam. Like you're you're good at that. You know, you've got like ten people, you know, at a tournament every like month or so. Like or whatever, right? I'm I'm making fun of 30k. I apologize. It's 30k has gone down in popularity a lot. So, mostly because of Ford World as well. But the the point is I feel like that's what they're where they're going. Um and I don't know if that's gonna be good or bad. Um that's just kind of just how I, I predict it. I think it's so. fine.
2: If the alternative is the wildly swingy rules of seventh and eighth edition, I would prefer to see Fort World reined in a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of them picking and choosing what actually they like and converting it to plastic or you know, taking their best sellers and eventually making it you know easier to obtain more affordable etc. I think I think that's just generally good for the game I mean th- yeah. to fork over x hundred dollars um, plus shipping and whatnot to try and obtain something and once again the plastic models I've them from my store they they benefit my local community
0: yeah yep absolutely
2: in in older editions they did actually do that reasonably often uh, a, a number of codex units that we see now and kind of like think as part of the core range were originally Forge World models. For example, the Tau Piranha, originally Forge World.
0: Yep. Drop Pod, old Space Marine
2: the Drop old, Pod. The, the Drop Pod, the Trigun, uh, those were all Forge World models at one point, and they got brought over to the plastic range. Now, they haven't done that in quite a while. I think the last one they the did Horse-Hersi was... Marines? That's, say was uh, like the Horse Heresy Horse Heresy, I was going to say the, the Contemptor um was originally only a forge world option and got brought over to GW side but uh they haven't done much of it recently oh, so oh, the
0: I'm sorry Sean I mean you. No go ahead was the, the greater demons I think they were the most recent one, the Greater Unclean One, uh, the Lord Keeper of Secrets. Those were originally Forge World models. To be fair, no, they were... they,
2: they actually were not because the Forge World versions were the Super Greater Demons. Oh, because uh, they had they had the like Lord of War scale ones. They never properly really had the full set of. Um, the greater demon scale ones. They did have some of them, I believe. They had a Bloodthirster and I want to say a Greater Unclean one, but not a the other two.
0: Oh, they had all of them. So they they had Didn't a... They? Uh, the Cicelesque, they had... Um, R-
2: right, right, Cicelesque, but those are those not are monster. not the greater demons. Those are the Mega Demons.
0: Okay, so they were Mega Demons before, and yes. then in 8th or 7th or whatever, they got converted down to greater demon status and then the rules for the mega-demons stayed, I think? Uh,
2: then... Yeah, they they were always, like, mega-demons. They, they were never officially billed as greater demons. Um, they got just you, a, a set of rules to it. make them lords of war in 7th edition. Alright, uh, enough they of They basically this. said, yeah. Forge World
0: uh, History. I feel, yeah. I feel the listeners... Anyways, um, So yeah. let's talk
2: about all the cool units.
0: Let's talk about some cool units. So I want to start first with... Uh, what I think are the third winners, the third best winners of the Forge World Compendium. That's the Tyranids. So, really? I think so. I th- I think they're I think they're at least top five. I don't think they're losers. I think they they came mm. out on top. Um, they you know kept the kept Malanthropes. Malanthropes I think got a small bump increase. But I was expecting Malanthropes to be like trashed. Like oh, you can yeah. only get core units, and it has to be models with it, or it was, I expected something like that. But the Malinthrope tried and true. This is now the fourth, uh, sixth, seventh, eighth. Yeah, this is now the fourth edition, where the Mountainthorpe gets to keep its cool status. Um, it gets to be, you know, the clearly one of the best, if not the best, Tyranid Forge World units. Um, and they're still selling it on their website. So, I think uh, most yeah.
1: Tyranid players should own a Malinthrope.
0: At this point, yes. Yeah, it's um, it's great. Yeah, and then the most importantly, uh, the, the Hero Duel, the D- D- Demarcaron got a little bit of a buff there, but the Hero Duel hmm. uh, discount and then being relegated down to the heavy support slot, which I think yeah. is hilarious considering what they did to the monolith, the, the Necron monolith, which was a heavy support that like got moved up to Lord of War. Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know, I, think, I so, think that... It's a
1: weird weird choice. It
0: is. Odd choice. I, I think the Hero Duel and the... the, the Barbed Hyrule and the what's the other one called? Scythe Tyroduel. Scyth Hyridel. I think I think those might have a slot. Uh, you know, they're now I think they're hovering around three hundred points ish. Um, I don't actually remember. I just, uh, they're they're affordable now. Uh you can run them in lists. I don't know how amazing they'll be in ninth edition. Uh, but you know, just like an elite MSU army is something a barbed hero would love to just chomp on. Right? You know, this big, unstoppable, tyrannid monster. I guess it's unstoppable. Eradicators will kill it. But yeah. Eradicators will kill everything. Kill everything. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> In unison.
2: And I do feel like that is its biggest issue, is like, yes, it shoots quite hard and will like vaporize a couple squads of, of Primaris Marines, potentially. It's got the melee punch to move forward and, and claim sections of midfield without feeling bad about it. Um, but its issue is it's a gigantic target that if your opponent like brings in a squad of Eradicators or Blade Guard is just gonna vanish. Um, and and given how many points it is, that's maybe too much of an investment for what it does. But what if it uh, t- it's not t- terrible? But I feel like it's not gonna be the piece that pulls Tyranids up.
0: That's fair. Uh, they they do need a lot of love. Um. But they got more options. So, anyways, yeah. that's that's what I think. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Necrons now. Um, yeah. Necrons didn't change much. They yeah, got
2: they got tweaks to a bunch of their units that kind of made them better. But yes. yeah. I think the only real big change for them is their super heavy became like, Worse. it's guaranteed bad. It's bad. <laughs> um, was, it, I actually like the construct. Yeah. I, sad I got yeah, it got nerfed.
0: Yeah. So the the only thing I can see with Necrons is, so the, there's a big push towards canoptic units, right? Making them mm-hmm. uh, like a real personality in the Necron codex. They, they got like three or four different canoptic uh, units added to their codex. Uh, they have a ton of buffs now that buff just Canoptic units. Uh, and the Tomb Stalker and the Tomb Sentinel, which are this, which is that cool centipede thing. It's a model I, I loved immediately when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's a Canoptic unit as well too. So it did get the Canoptic treatment. It went up to four and or four up weapon skill, four up ballistic skill. But they're they've always been kind of cool and niche in that they could do a lot of. They were mobile. They they could chew stuff up. They did a lot of interesting things. I think one of them denies psychic powers. Uh, they, they were a cool little toolbox for Necrons in the past, uh, and they got dropped down to to uh, less than 200 points. They're, they're actually pretty cheap. They're, they're pretty reasonable to take. Uh, and then with all the Canoptic upgrades, I could see someone trying to run them. I know I'm going to try and run the uh, Tomb Stalker at least a little bit because um, it's it's ridiculously cheap. Uh, and you know it hits in close combat. It's fast, gets there. So we'll
1: Actually see. Love the centipede that. model. The Tomb Sentinel is like one of my favorite forty k models. When that's I first great. saw it,
0: I was like, is that is that is that what I think? Is that is that a forty k model? That's a Necron model. Oh, yeah. Cool. It's like, insane. I love oh, yeah. the thing. Oh yeah, it's great. Straight out of Tomb Kings. But um, yeah, so I don't I don't think the Necrons are necessarily these huge winners coming out of Forge World. But uh, that's that's the one unit I think that. Necron players should start looking at and going like, "Hey, you know, maybe maybe we should pick one of these up." Yeah, they
1: they got the update they needed for their Codex, and they kind of made everything like side by side with it. And they go, like, hey, "Look, we just released the Codex. Here's these units. They now match up, line up." Oh, by the way, the thing that you could be excited for, especially with all your traits and whatnot, it's trash.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now let's talk about Tau. Uh, I don't. I didn't really look. I didn't really like anything here uh Sean, what do you think yeah, um
2: the Ivara got way worse, like probably unusably bad now, but whatever, that was always a really niche build. Is the Ivara um, the
0: flechette gun one?
2: The flashette and the flamer and all that yeah, yeah. Okay. um it it's, it's it's guns went from damage three to damage one, so <laughs> no longer nope. a thing. <laughs> um a couple other units did get better the tetra and remora both seem like fairly solid little performers now um and the other big uh definitely not a riptide suit the Rivarna is pretty all right um they lost a bunch of totally irrelevant units like variants of commanders and stuff but those units were all terrible before so that it's not like losing them meant anything um but Tau didn't really, they didn't really gain anything that's going to change their game plan. And their game plan is just bad right now. So I feel like it doesn't really alter the way Tau play very much at all. Um, and they just absolutely bodied the tau and all of their flyers.
1: I was going to say, I'm like, the Taunar is, oh. put it back on your shelf. It's beautiful. It's a,
2: yeah. it's a fantastic <laughs> model. Yeah. But
1: it, I'm sorry that it has to live there.
2: It, it lost It lost the battlesuit keyword, so it can't be protected by drones anymore. And with its comically low wound count, given its cost, that just means it's completely gone. Also, several of the Tau Flyers went from BS2 to BS4, which is just like, yikes.
1: I think they kind of kicked the town art. While it was down, like, they kept just, it, just got, it got worse and worse as you read that data sheet. Yeah. It made me pretty sad.
0: So, I think the Talonar is still criminally over-costed. Oh, what absolutely, it yeah. But I don't think it should have had the battlesuit keyword. I just, that always bugged no, me. No, that was Storm stupid. don't have a battlesuit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, it, 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 it was a mistake, but the thing was, like, it was costed for that mistake, and now it is roughly the same point cost, but no longer has its dumb broken rule.
0: Yeah, I think it got cheaper by like a tiny bit, but it's it's it got, a it got like two hundred
2: points cheaper. But okay. when you cost like thirteen hundred, that's not enough of a change. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, if we were selling a if we were selling town units like a, a stock exchange or a stock market, I'd be like, buy remoras now. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: keep selling your Yeah. <laughs>
2: as always forever
0: all right but yeah um I, I agree with i agree with you sean uh overall uh big kind of meh uh which which one are they are the remoras the the flying drone
2: uh yes remoras oh, are, cool. uh, yeah, are cool big thing big thing to notice there they carry two seeker missiles for free um and they are not vehicles, despite having a like light vehicle stat line. So they don't give away secondary
0: points. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I saw those, and I'll, I I was kind of intrigued, um, because I've seen them before. They they had they made some fringe lists at last edition, mm-hmm. uh, where they did okay. But um, yep. they All are right. they are on the
2: border of being usable. It's just that the rest of the tile list cannot support them.
0: Okay. All right, Tau. Yeah, Tau needs a little love right now. Speaking yeah. of a faction that needs a little love, Ben, let's talk about orcs.
1: I don't think orcs need that much love. Ooh. They're doing just fine, thank you.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Let, but I'm, hear... I'm
1: biased. I'm biased. So,
0: <laughs> so let, uh, Let's what do you think about the orc forge world stuff?
1: Um, compared to the eighth edition index, it's actually almost all upgrades, with the exception of some cuts that didn't even make it. So, as far as the as far as the orc deck goes, orcs. Uh, um, new uh, models and such go. They cut the chinork which is sad. That was mm-hmm. the model we—that's the thing we were most excited for, especially uh with the new Ninth Edition vehicle rules and such. That thing's gone. I hope it becomes plastic. I hope it's in the Codex. Otherwise, you know, that's my first impression. Is I really wanted them? I just had acquired some, and now they're gone. But that's okay. The thing that got unlegended and brought back—that is probably the most important thing that most Orkless are going to run and probably be the main thing that from this book that most orc uh players should have is a warboss on war bike. they brought him back they gave him good keywords uh he hits vehicles and such now he actually doesn't hit orcs anymore like the little infantry like, like he did before uh on giving them their advance in charge and leadership buffs and whatnot but um he is completely upgraded he's base t7 and you can around with warlord traits to actually give him the regular warboss abilities or bring him up the 8 or give him his relic so he's he's the superstar of the orchid data sheets uh in this compendium now everything else is kind of just playable the biggest loser uh is the knobs on warbikes they are mm. <laughs> they're too much for what they are wait they
0: knobs are. on warbikes are forge rolled? Yes.
2: Uh, yeah, they were originally pushed to legends, and now
1: they're into Forge
0: World, I believe. Oh, I didn't know. I thought knobs. I thought the war bikes were knobs only.
1: No, you you have regular. Yeah, you have your regular two wound like bike, similar to a Space Marine bike, and then these knobs and war bikes are like three wound guys that can take weapon options and such. Mm-hmm. Well, it shows how much of I know. The gist of that, but they're terrible <laughs>
2: yeah
1: <laughs> for their word they're way way too over but um the only thing that didn't that got nerfed between eighth edition index and this one is the gargantuan squigot um which is one of my favorite units it's um it, they took away all the wacky weapons that used to exist across the entire uh index like we don't have like the super lava anymore or anything else they, they gave us the cannon and they, then they gave us the super cannon which is like the Forge World gun that they, they can kind of put in anything now. So they gave us one cool thing. We like They took away Rattler cannons, they took away all these other like weird guns we had before, and they, they told us to settle down and only gave us one.
2: Well, there is one option that I'd like to hear your thoughts on, the Custom Stompa.
1: Well, actually, I was saving that for last, because okay. I need a shout-out right. for Val there, because yeah. I actually had a long conversation about it today.
2: <laughs> that thing <laughs> about... is interesting like maybe, okay we'll jump to it now yeah let's let's mm-hmm. talk about that because i feel like that's a pretty big thing in so this.
1: it's um it's playable uh, <laughs> and saying that about stomp a unit is not something you hear too often um it has some insane weapon profiles yeah uh, like these no matter what you take on it all of its weapons are good it will just erase uh the current some of the things that exist on battlefields in the current meta. It has enough wounds to live through eradicators. It doesn't live through being tough. It doesn't live through uh having invuln saves. It lives through the fact that it just has too many goddamn wounds. It's actually a uh, kind of like a foresight that the Stompa itself, the regular Stompa, might be cheaper. Because mm-hmm. it's just as cheap, but just like has way better options uh than the regular Stompa. So the custom stampa, just for you know those that aren't aware, it has the uh, a stampa lift a drop option, which is probably my favorite option, um which is a forty-eight inch um gun with forty three shots. And it ruins like a smash a gun, but it's a three d6 instead. Um and it has melt a gun style of damage where it does a flat three plus d three. So Ooh. um it with neg four AP it, it'll it'll pick up a lot of things, Um, and you can actually give it two of those if you choose to
0: pick what arm weapons it has. Yeah, and it's like it's like like four, minimum four shots or something like that.
2: Uh, Yeah, 43 so it's averaging eight per gun.
0: Jesus, yeah, Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: And then you have your belly gun, which is 3d6 strength 8, nake 2, flat 2 blast. Uh, You have the gaze of Mork, which is heavy 3, strength 12, flat 6 with nake 4 AP. This thing's Pretty goddamn scary, and it's gonna shoot at least once. Um, if we still had specialist attachments, it actually could be scarier because we did have Stompa Mob at one point, but that's gone. We don't have that right now. But you can you
2: can but still buff this... it up with like all their psychic powers and stuff, which can make it. Yep. Yeah, if you uh, if
1: you run in as Evil Sons and you bring enough psychic power to uh, actually be able to pull that spell off to make give it full re-rolls and everything yeah. Um there's some silly numbers you can do like shooting the super Gatla and then it shoots again on a two up and then shoots again on a five up with all the re-rolls of it get on top of more daca mm-hmm. some of the numbers on it can get pretty redonkulous um yeah. <laughs> with the fact that you know orcs have daca 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 and everything else so this thing is is something to pay attention to for sure i I think you should try it out um i don't know if it's going to be in like a centerpiece of well it's obvious centerpiece model i don't think you're going to see it in in a gt list anytime soon but it's definitely like it catches my eye, for sure. <laughs> S- someone
2: in your local meta is going to build a weird skew list around it, and if you're not ready for that, it's going to walk all over you, and you're going to be like, wait a minute, it gets how many shots? It- yeah, it there got are some space green lists that are just
1: going to get trounced by that thing. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. yeah, the
2: ones that don't take Eradicators.
1: It lives through Loom, which is the insane part. Yes, yeah, that's true.
2: Doesn't degrade ballistic skill.
1: The thing that I'm most attracted to out of this, uh, out of the orc section are actually the kill tanks. They got huge point decreases uh, across the board um, from their 8th edition. Even though they randomly got a bump from chapter approved um, before. But this time they actually got decreases. They have great guns. They're good in melee. They charge and deal mortals. I could see a kill tank list actually being a thing what what does it
2: run for like the the various versions like roughly speaking because like i know they were really expensive before and they're like affordable now but i don't have yeah a... they're
1: 275 now where they were like 425 okay. before so yeah you can
2: cram three of those into a list and not have it be like a complete skew. yeah
1: if you want to take it the gun that kills space marines you got to get with the burst of cannon uh, yeah. which is plus 50 points each so 325 each okay but there's a the super Hmm. cannon got way better stats compared to the previous one and that's the gun that kind of has become the option on their forge world units between Mm. like the big track and the and the battle wagon option and everything else uh it deals flat three and it has 3d6 shots i'm actually playing around with a list um already that would run uh three of the uh, wagon cannon wagons uh with them um or three big tracks of super cannons, or whichever mess, just mm-hmm. because flat three damage with NAG3EP is a good spot to be when you have a lot of Gravis armor in the field. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, overall, uh, Ben, are you going to try any of these seriously in any tournaments?
1: I I will build the kill tank list. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: with the My freebooters yell out to me um, uh, on working on something to make that work. The Garg Squig is going to go be pretty on a shelf. Um, but the custom stomp I'll probably bring to an RTt, why not?
0: Absolutely. All right now let's talk on to the first uh or the last xenos faction um, the uh, Eldar um, which is a uh, universal keyword so we'll talk about dark Eldar Harlequins and uh, Eldar and Eldar course I mean uh just Eldar dark Eldar Harlequins <laughs>
2: uh,
0: I'm well, sorry let's
2: let's talk about the the Harlequin stuff first.
0: All right, we're done. Oh, beautiful. Alright, uh, Dark Eldar and Eldar. Um, now, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, Sean, is, mm-hmm. so the Revenant Titan, right? It's like 1,500 points. Yep. Uh, okay. How playable can you make it, right? Because, as I understand it, it's 30 inches, 4 up in Vuln. It moves 30 inches, excuse me. Yeah. Has a 4 up in Vuln, it's T9. It'll kill anything. Yeah.
2: Uh, twice. You. You can lightning-fast reflexes with it. Oh, so
0: you can move and shoot?
2: No, no, no. You you, you can give the enemy minus one to hit for two CP.
0: Oh, it's even better. Okay. Which
2: is very silly. It is quite difficult to kill with shooting because of the combination of T9, the four-up and the minus one to hit. You can slap fortune onto it for a five-up feel-no-pain. Um... It could be very hard to kill with shooting, uh, although if, like, a unit of, you know, Deathwing Knights or something big gets into melee with it, it's still going to come apart pretty easily. Um, But it does hit very hard. It's going to erase two units, and it's going to just go wherever it wants on the table. Someone is going to build a dumb skew list around it. It's not going to be as good as the Stomp-A-Skew list. It is probably going to be better than most other Eldar builds.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Jeez. So well, the Revenant Titan's going to, be, going to be a a replace the Taunar, huh?
2: Kind of, yeah. Uh, it serves in that same role of like this big thing
0: that a lot of people just won't be ready for. I, I think uh, that's
1: actually a fair answer there, Pablo, for that unit.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I was just I was looking at the Revenant Titan, and I was like, hmm. I I see some Space Marine lists that would actually just absolutely hate to play that. They're just like you're yeah. not gonna kill it. You know, it's just it's gonna take the middle of the board and laugh well, at you. The problem
2: is, it's probably not gonna take the middle very effectively because it's very tough against shooting. It is not going to stand up effectively if, like, two units of five blade guard charge it. Um Those guys are going to be a big problem, which means it's going to be dancing around the the non central objectives, just sort of like evaporating whatever's on them. What's
0: its armor save? Uh, I think it's a three up armor. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't believe be, it gets the two issue. up because they only need to get it. They only need to start degrading it really, and yeah, yeah. uh.
2: So, it's... I don't feel it's quite good enough to be, like, a dominant thing, but it is good enough that um, it's gonna show up and cause havoc for, like, you know, there's one guy at your GT who has one, and everyone's gonna be looking at his games, and, like, he's, he's gonna win three games, and then he's gonna come up against someone who just plays the mission, or brought a horde army, and he's gonna get absolutely ruined.
0: Yeah, he's, he's going to spoiler list some people for sure. Yeah. All right. So Revenant Titan, keeping my eye on you. Uh, let's talk about the rest of them. Um, w- was there anything in particular that kind of jumped out to you, uh, there Sean? There
2: several very interesting things. I know one that also kind of caught the eye of uh, Ben was the Scathic Wraith Knight. Um, which I'm not just saying because I like Skathic as a mythological-historical figure. Um, it got some really big improvements to where it's significantly better than the, the basic Wraith Knight, uh, which is not a hard thing to do, but um, it's actually like legitimately semi-useful, um, especially with the new profiles on its guns. Um, and because it can deep strike innately, then you know it's never going to get taken off the board before it gets to act. Um, it it ends up being a pretty okay choice. It's almost like a baby version of the revenant. Uh, in that, like, it's probably not worth it overall, but it is probably better than a lot of the other stuff you have access to.
0: Okay.
1: This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink.
0: all right, well, that's I mean, uh, it's not bad. Well, do you think people will bring it? Because Wraith Knights are, are gone.
2: Yeah, I think you're going to see them every once in a while. It's a much easier model to get access to than The Revenant is, uh, so it's much more plausible that there's more than just, like, that one dude who, you know, dropped thou- a thousand bucks on getting his uh, Revenant, like, bought, built, and painted. But it's... It's not going to be a dominant force. You know, you can deal with it in the same way you deal with knights, um, is pretty much what it boils down to. It's an Eldar knight, which is (laughs) neat, but it's not going to be like a a GT top table kind of thing. They do have a few units that uh, I am personally a fan of and that all got some interesting changes. The Hornet is quite good now um it's cheap it kills space marines it is relatively hard to kill uh it kind of just does everything that you want a, a nice little like light to medium vehicle to do um and it just it it got better in a bunch of different ways All so right. you're definitely going to see some hornets around just cuz like they, they do a thing that is useful killing space marines
1: They're also fast and they move around. Yes, good knife edition.
2: And and they're not easy to kill. Like if they just sort of dance around the edges of the battlefield, you're gonna struggle to kill them because they got a built-in minus one to hit, um, and you know they have a three-up armor save and a decent number of wounds. So like they're they're enough of a problem that you got to dedicate real attention to them.
0: Yeah, and we're we're kind of seeing the shift of Ninth Edition into that you know the small mobile damage dealing you know tough thing, right? Whether it's a vehicle or not. Uh, yeah. So I could definitely see hornets being used. Um, I don't know if Eldar armies have the the sticking power or tools to kind of like. Bully units off of the out of the middle of the board, yeah. maybe wraith guard. I don't know. That that is a
2: big problem for them right now. Um, but the hornet does at least play to the army's strengths, yes. so it has that going for it.
0: All right, now let's talk about dark eldar. Uh, I believe they only have two options. The uh... can, can I just touch real fast yeah, yeah, no, go on ahead. Go ahead. My,
2: my one of my other my other units that I'm not sure if it's great, but they make a a good change to it, and that's the wraith seer. Um, got a ton of changes that really alter the way you do it. It's not a character or an HQ anymore, it's just a heavy support unit. Uh, so it's, a, it's basically an alternative to your Wraith Lord. Um, it also does not degrade anymore since it went down to nine wounds. Um, but it's really big changes were that it ignores AP1 now, it's just like a built-in thing. Uh, so it's roughly as tough as it was before. And it now just casts off the Runes of Battle table, rather than having its own bizarre, terrible, psychic discipline.
1: Oh, thank God. <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, so your your Wraith Seers know one Runes of Battle Power and Smite. Um, and that Smite is actually important, because not only does it allow you to spam out a bunch of Smites um, from a non-HQ slot, no less... Um, but it also means it can swap out for the uh, the alternative Eldar powers that they got in Psychic Awakening, um, which, among other things, include a power that gives you plus two damage. And they already have a weapon that does d3 plus three damage. So you have a weapon that is doing six to eight damage per hit, on a model that has a Strength 9, AP 4, 4-attack uh, four chassis. That's going to just sort of, like, destroy something in Melee. Again, I don't know if it's good, but it is very cool, and it is going to occasionally give some lists fits, as you just sort of, like, walk into a knight or something, you're like, my minimum damage is 24!
1: I think you'll see them just because they're, once again, easy model to get a hold of. They're just an upgrade kit.
2: Yeah. And it can still take its guns and stuff like that. So, like, it's just a real solid little option.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you're incorrect. Uh, I don't know much about Wraith Sears or Eldar to make an opinion here, but um, they do look good. Kind of bummed that they lost the character keyword. um, Yeah. Because they did go down to nine wounds and then lost the character keyword, which is kind of the opposite of what you'd expect that you know to go, but uh, it anyways. it's fine
2: given their their point cost. Um, they they are in a perfectly acceptable place between like ignoring AP one, having an invuln, having a reasonable wound count, toughness eight. Uh, they're they're tough enough for what they do.
0: All right, now let's talk about Dark Eldar. Uh, the only two options: uh, the uh, yeah. Reaper, which is like a Ravager, but has yeah, a it's, big gun at the front.
2: I didn't see any of the stuff I'd seen. Does it still have the option to be uh cabal or or any of the three? It, it different can be It can be heavens, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. so that's actually big for it. So they,
1: they get the they get the super damage.
2: Yeah, because yeah, they yeah. can they can go dark technomancers for like the super big profile, or they can go with uh I forget what the the witch cult plus one to wound against vehicles in monsters one is called, but uh, that is is also fairly nice.
0: Yeah, it got a little expensive, but um, it's da- the damage on its gun, you know, is better. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, the Tantalus uh, got got a decrease in points, and then I think it's yep. still people are probably not going to take it.
2: It's it's too much of a, a like a centralized piece for what
0: Dark Eldar need to be doing. Like,
1: you you know? see them, a lot of Dark Eld players love theirs. They're great centerpiece models. Mm-hmm. Are they meta choices? Eh. I don't yeah, think so. I, I don't yeah. even think the
0: Reaper's a, a real big meta choice. I think if you're trying to specifically look for something like that in your list, like you need it, it, it it's good to have maybe a couple of them. But um...
2: it's It gives covens and Colts an option for something they otherwise can't do. I don't think that you're going to see a lot of them, but it's worth looking at, just because it it fills a role that those factions otherwise lack.
0: All right. Now let's talk about uh, my, uh, my, I think, biggest winner for the Codex. And I don't even know if it's the biggest winner, but it has, I think, the best uh, single change, if not Hmm. one of the best single changes. So I want to talk about Chaos now, in general. Um, Yeah. Chaos Knights got the same treatment as Imperial Knights, uh, except the Chaos Knights were already a little worse than the Imperial Knights, so the Chaos Knights got better, and the Imperial Knights got worse. So that covers all the Knights, Imperial and Chaos. I don't Mm -hmm. think we need to add anything more to that. Um, I'm a Knights player, not a lot of Knights stuff excited me. It's, It's
2: pretty middling changes. The the only one i would say matters at all is the uh the war dog moirax um stayed usable and had some weird kind of like minor downsides but you're still going to see them used
0: yeah they, they got brought in line as well too so they don't move as fast yeah. um they don't do four damage yeah uh there was 12 but
2: they did get a little bit cheaper, though, so yeah, they're, they they're actually, like, in line with the, the basic War Dogs, which I think ends up being an advantage for them.
0: Yeah. But yeah, uh, other than that, the Chaos Knights, which were which should have always been basically identical to the Imperial Knights, uh, they're exactly the same. Meaning, Chaos players, you're going to look at your cool knights and go, like, oh, these got a little better. Um, they got some points changes and stuff, but I'm um, just to let you know, as an Imperial Knight player right now, just there's you have other options just use yeah. those other options um yeah Same thing with the knights I, i'm sorry i just i just uh i was so i've got so salty by the the earlier changes in eighth edition to knights when they gutted all the sarasas knights and got rid of the fall the four pin bones and i get it i get it you know but still eh. all right uh let's move on to uh demons not much to see here um the, the you know you're not gonna you're probably not gonna big build the or use the big greater demon models, mm-hmm. um, or the big greater demons alphabet soup and whatnot. Um,
1: talk about chaos in general, weren't
0: you? Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just going through oh, chaos okay. the yeah. the whole uh, before we talk the about chaos K- space Caboodle. marines. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: caveat here: everything I mentioned now about chaos space marines doesn't apply to Death Guard and Thousand Sons.
2: Yeah, it, you don't which... get the
0: legion rule, and they didn't mention Death Guard and Thousand Sons in the book
2: that's actually i think the maybe the biggest change this book makes is it it actually takes away several of these toys from death guard who were real big in the meta uh and so losing that is actually a significant blow although i don't think necessarily like you oh, know, it's gonna end Death Guard. I think Death Guard are still good. It's just you know they can't take the termite drill anymore, which was a big thing for them.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't know yet. And the jury's still up on whether this was intention intended or not.
2: Oh no, it's explicit. Um, they they specifically say like Thousand Sons and Death Guard don't get these.
0: Oh, okay. never mind then. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so what are we talking about? Why why does this matter? Um, so first thing I want to look at, and this is the big thing, this is the big change. I think probably the single most impactful change in the whole book, and that's Dreadclaw Drop Pods. So Dreadclaw Drop Pods yeah. uh, got a little better. Um, you know, they're, they're I would say more formal. than a little. Well, well, well hold <laughs> on. Yeah, uh, their profile got a little better. Okay. No, yeah. Nothing crazy. Nothing to worry about here. Uh, they got some damage on their thermal jets. Um, uh, uh, what... what
2: I mean, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Like their thermal jet is a thunder hammer now.
0: Yeah, yeah. It does yeah the thir- it's a thunder hammer, and then in the movement phase, it's a uh, on a two up does d three mortal wounds is something. It jumps over.
2: Yes, or even d six if you roll that big six. Yeah. Um, you know, the combination of those make them like legitimately quite threatening with their movement and melee. Um, which is like a big change for them. Uh, yes and then they they also have the drop pod assault rule. Damn That's
0: it, Sean. And No, and yes, yes. No, We got to right. talk about there. these things. We can't there. just
2: put it off forever, Pablo. <laughs> huh. We've been talking so, a long time already. We got to go get to ahead, this shit. Sean.
0: Go ahead, Sean. You're right.
2: I uh, well, I mean yeah, it means they're, they can come in turn one and that is enormous in a game that is as fast moving as ninth edition is, the fact that you are able to drop your reserves in immediately is tremendous.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's insane. The uh, The drop pod assault rule for Chaos gives them a cheaper delivery system than the Termax assault drill uh, mm-hmm. on a T7 9 wound body that just drops mortal wounds on things thunder and thunder hammers people in the face when it yeah. feels like it. Also moves like 15 inches or something. Like mm-hmm. It's... it's Pretty goddamn cheap is my thing about it. Got it, cheaper. But... It's 115 <laughs> points. Yeah, yeah, it's. It, yeah, the, but being able to come down turn one or whenever you want, uh, do do the uh, the things, the chaos space marine things. Chaos space marines actually had a really hard time with delivery systems. Mm-hmm. Um, the drill was kind of like when they got the Term-X-Dryl, it was kind of like their big saving grace, even though it was this kind of this big expensive model. And we'll talk about the Termex um, in a moment. But it, it's just the dreadnought drop pod, um by far, went from zero to hero just with one roll, which is the Drop Pot Assault roll. Uh, and so you're absolutely going to see... I, I, I'm disappointed that Plague Marines can't take it, because I thought maybe yeah. it would be FAQ'd so that they could. Because if they could do it, then that would be absurd. Uh, Death Guard would be one of the best factions. I think maybe even compete for with Space Marines, but
2: it's still possible that they will get it in an FAQ where they'll say like, "Oh yeah, we were going to do a thing, but then we didn't." And yeah, you know they they get it, but currently they definitely can't get it. Um,
1: but they got Blight Drones.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they
2: sure did. <laughs> They're good. They're okay. They're yeah, fine.
0: The Greater Blight Drones.
2: Yeah, it's. Yeah less bad than it was
0: <laughs> um yeah uh, other than that um there was not there There wasn't a ton of changes there the the dreadnoughts kind of all got brought more in line um another shout yeah. out to the uh charybdis assault claw <laughs> which is the uh, dreadclaw's bigger meaner cousin um uh-huh. I believe it also got the drop dropout assault rule
2: yeah but it's a lord of war so yes but maybe not <laughs>
0: it does do three mortal wounds on a two-up i believe when it moves over you yeah it's
2: it sure is it has 10 missile launchers
0: yeah oh that's true it got to, yeah. it got 10 missile launchers. yeah
2: it just <laughs> you, are, how many command points are you willing to pay for that
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i get that um the crypt Assault claw was kind of a niche uh, unit that people that spring players kind of took to kind of play with. Um, yeah. I I just I think that you know it, it got cheaper. Um, it's it's not terrible, but the Dreadclaw Drop Pod, which are gonna, it's it's a cool model.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll, we'll see the Dreadclaw Drop Pod though. That's the that's the big winner. Uh, the the Terex Pattern Termite um, is you know it's great. It's not it's not over two hundred points, which I thought it was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. It gained some wounds, and it's just, it's the same thing it always does. So Admech and Chaos Players, oh, go ahead, Sean. I
2: I was gonna say, like, I feel like the the Terax gained significantly. Um, because, like, yeah, it, it didn't go up in points, which I was certainly expecting it to. Um, its gun and melee got significantly more effective, um... Because the, the Meltagon went from D3 shots to 5, which is a lot. Yes. Yeah,
1: why not? That's a <laughs> lot of shots.
2: And rather than doing its goofy mortal wound thing, it just has, like, a wild damage value that is going to just carve through anything it touches. Um, So, like, a lot like the, the Charybdis, it's sort of like, it is this dual, like, it it, it it hurts you in multiple phases while also transporting a unit it
1: also gained wounds so i mean like yeah point decrease gaining wounds i'll take it
2: yeah uh it i, I feel like the terax is going to be a big piece in a lot of marine lists both uh loyalist and uh chaos
0: yeah i, I mean i agree um it's just uh overall um i think those i think the big the big winners um the dreadnoughts all lost the hellbrook keyword uh yeah. which i think makes sense uh
2: i didn't see the the sonic dreadnought in there did it get a new data sheet or uh, which one are you,
0: which one's the sonic dreadnought
2: uh that, that's the emperor's children only one. Um, oh, i didn't
0: see that i, I might yeah, not have yeah
2: i i i need to like get a better look at it because i haven't I haven't seen anything about it or even its 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 presence really, um, which makes me sad that it might have like you know been squatted out of existence, which would be very unfortunate. Um, but it still like it has a currently produced model, so I think that would be kind of weird. Uh, so I don't know. It's, I'm I'm curious to see what happens there, and I'd love if someone could tell me that like yeah, it's still totally in there and still way under costed.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so, though. I mean, considering what they did to some of the other dreadnoughts, uh, the Space Marines got.
2: Yeah, probably not.
0: All right, so let's talk about the big one here. The the um one faction that was pretty much des- defined by their Forge World release. Uh, let's talk about Custodes. Ooh, I'm a
1: Custodes player. I love these guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first impression overall, what I got was not bad. I know i I've read some Custodes players' reactions to it online. Um, and overall, I've seen more salt than good. Uh, however, yeah. the the army is it's 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 a small army. It's yeah, still right. without these forge world units, you would have like five units tops. Right. You know. So, anyways, Ben, uh, go ahead. Go. You are the resident custodius player. Well,
1: so they, with the like uh, everything, kind of universally lost the like negative to charge. Almost everything that had yes. that was important. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they lost. Uh, but most of the stuff was just like minor minor tweaking um they changed some d3 damage to flat two damage Mm -hmm. uh they made things that had a melta rule such as the uh the the pyrite spears um have like a more equivalent melta rule instead of just you know a d damage um and all around it was they kind of um made everything match with the recent uh war gear updates so like the sagittarium guard uh you no know, no their heavy bolter style weapon does two damage now yeah um, that actually caught my attention all sorts of stuff there's nothing nothing amazing happened though and all their stuff was relatively good uh one of the big things i want to point out is that the um their dreadnought stayed t8 uh they're mm-hmm. the big teleman um and he gained negative one damage that negative one damage ability, but he lost core mm-hmm. but i think I think you're gonna see a lot of that guy he's a pretty important unit uh in in custody lists on top of your typical Grav tanks and palace Grav tank type stuff uh, I think you're gonna see a lot of telemans now
0: uh yeah i mean, I agree with you hundred percent um I think the i think when the custodes codex comes out, all of these core units because there's a lot of core units there's six core units. In The Forge World book, and I would I would bet a lot of money that everything but the Dreadnought and the Land Raider in the Custodes book itself are also going to have the core keyword. Well, oh, the Dreadnought's probably going to have the core keyword. Everything's going to have the so core like, keyword except the Venerable Land Raider, which we all laugh about anyways. It's going to have the laugh keyword in <laughs> bold colors. It's going to go up by 100 points and have a 6 up in instead of a 5 up in So,
1: like the Aquilins were. Sp- one of the better units in the game like those are the you know the terminators you take they got cheaper yeah (laughs) like so like there's just good stuff all around There's not i don't get i I don't understand a lot of the salt other than them you know people always want them to be the most elite of the elite and i Mm -hmm. i get it where some of the stuff you compare to a space marine and x space marine is better but like overall a lot of their units are just straight up good there's there's all these are very playable none of these are things you would put in the trash yeah yeah, that's my
2: impression from, like, I don't play Custodes, but, like, I saw the changes and it's kind of like, this all looks like solid stuff. Like, very few of these units are bad.
0: Yep, I agree. The Venatari look good. The, the, I, I guarantee you this core keyword on some of these cheaper units, like the the Aculons, the Venatari, um, I guarantee you there's going to be some stuff in the Custodes Codex that absolutely benefits them. Um, and you're going to be glad they have the core keyword, so. Yeah, there's
1: the overall i mean like you got there, there's still the aries gun shit that people complain about that thing did get a point increase don't don't take it guys just don't <laughs> it's a cool it's a cool web it's a cool thing i just there's a lot of hate on the internet for it right now and just oh, boy, don't be yeah. that guy
0: <laughs> um uh yeah yeah i agree um yeah uh nothing else to see there i think i think we covered it uh let's go ahead and move on to uh so um <laughs> I guess Deathcore slash Ast- Astromilitarum, we will cover them both. The Deathcore Death trait Corps. is bad.
2: Um, <laughs> which, you know, that's, <laughs> that's too bad. But it was bad before. Like, people are complaining a lot about it, but it's like, guys, the Deathcore trait was not good the last edition. Yeah. I don't know. Like, this isn't a big improvement, but it doesn't really change anything for them either.
0: Y- yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. They. Deathcore Creek were not great to begin with. Um, they just meh. The the Forge World stuff was never about the Deathcore Creek. It was always about their their vehicles specifically. Yeah. Um, I believe Death Riders got slightly better. They did, so, yeah. Yeah. Eh, if if you want to be Deathcore Creek, and if you want some, anyways, moving that on. one
2: guy who owns thirty five of them and wants to bring them to a tournament. It's, yeah, go four, for it.
0: There's more of them than <laughs> you think, actually. There's at least one per state oh yes uh, alright so uh, let's talk about the vehicles now um, the Hades Breaching doll looks pretty good uh, uh-huh. the oh yeah the Cyclops got cheaper
2: that uh, was gonna say I was so
0: happy about
2: Pablo the Cyclops and it it's, can ride in transports <laughs>
0: it, it could literally the the first uh, on the Cyclops on Forge World. I don't know if it's still there but they have the Cyclops coming out of a Chimera yep
2: and you can and now that it's allowed chimer- too.
0: <laughs> Anyways, you're probably not going to put it in a transport. No, because no. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of suiciding a chimera into your opponent's lines and then having a cyclops like double suicide. Um, yeah, I-, I think that's kind of hilarious. Yeah, but that's also like a hundred, you know, hundred fifty points or something stupid. So yeah, um <laughs> it- it's a funny idea. It's kind of cool, but yeah yeah The, the cyclops unfortunately i don't think is that great in this edition right now uh unless unless more people start to gang the middle and sacrifice the ability to kill light vehicles um which i think is not going to be the case um but other than that yep the the hades breach and drill looks pretty good um r.i.p trojans uh their one job is gone now um I, I can't think I can't think of anything else with last term looking at my notes. There's it's not, not a lot of changes and there wasn't a not lot, lot. I got, Yeah. I went
1: to the vulture like hello vulture and <laughs> then nothing changed. Yeah,
2: yeah, a a bunch of their like weird tanks got like some minor boosts but you know they're definitely not better than a demolisher tank commander so you're not really going to see them.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. Um so let's go ahead and move on to uh probably what are clearly the biggest winners and that's because they're always the biggest winners that's space marines Ooh, yeah um there's there's not much to see here i really like what they do with the space marines in general they said okay we're gonna we know what the problem children are we're gonna tone those down we're gonna get rid of a bunch of stuff and we're just gonna make everything good old vintage gw space marines meaning it's gonna be good there's going to be some stuff in there that you definitely see the Fluff Bunnies are going to be able to, you know, run their Hecaton, you know, in their carob colon or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't see anything that really jumped out to me as, insanely, I have to take this good. Now I might be wrong. No, uh, th-
2: there were no, like, fantastic huge things other than, like, the Termite is is great for them, just like yeah, it's the, great the, for everyone. the Termite, good. Um there's a couple of their tanks that seem okay to good um the the laser vindicator and the plasma sakarin um both seem like you know they're cheap enough and good enough at you know like killing other space marines that maybe you're, they're gonna see some play
1: in good lists even the, the sakarin uh the Sakaran platform itself got a pretty good upgrade so yeah depending on any future weapon changes or so that i think the sakaran platform is actually just a pretty good tank uh, platform so. yeah mm-hmm. yeah the the sakarans
0: they i like that i'm glad that you bumped them all up to a to um more expensive levels in 8th edition uh and in 9th edition they didn't really hone that in a lot they they're still around the same points um uh, but they they all got that that uh, the uh two up saves right yeah. so that's not bad they're and they're still fast they're still you know they're good solid maybe not build around tanks but mm-hmm. not bad uh now i want to talk about the fell so the fell yeah. it, <laughs> it's just <laughs> no, you sound like you like this guy <laughs> so the falchion and the Fellblade, um they they would drop down from toughness nine to toughness eight which which is a big deal uh mm. you know yeah, it makes, makes that sense. Melto
2: way better against you.
0: you. You also can't make the minus one to hit with Tigerius because they're not core anymore. Right. Uh, or, yeah. Um, so that, that kind of hurts. But they went from, like, a 1,000 points to 600 points, mm-hmm. which is just 150 points more than a Silent King. I don't know. I just, I like, <laughs> I like the Fell Blade. I like that they dropped down to 600 points. It has, you know, the firing firepower of, like, a townar. Or maybe like a baby town are, yeah, um, it, but at like a little over half the points. Go ahead.
2: It shoots real hard, um, but it has, I feel like, two big things that are going to limit it. Um, number one, it doesn't really want to get touched. Um, so, yeah, I can deal with it, but it, it's really not ideal. And so it can't go into midfield the way that some of the Orc vehicles and stuff like we were talking about earlier. And two, the combination of needing a super heavy detachment and the Martial Legacy rule means that putting one on your list eats four CP right out of the gate. Um,
0: oh, yep, yeah, that's true.
2: So, it's a big ask for the tank. Now, is it worth it? Eh... They're all right. They do shoot really hard, and you can slap a number of buffs onto them. Um, even though they can't benefit from the core stuff anymore, uh, there are other like stratagem and whatnot buffs that you can put on them. Um, so I they can be pretty scary. Still. Sorry, you're saying, man?
1: I think they're still going to be spoilers for some people. Yeah, like someone's going to bring you know something cool, and then that fell just is going to go first and destroy their day.
2: Yeah. It's one, they're yeah. they're going to be the bane of a lot of vehicle lists because they will erase those
0: yeah i actually prefer the astrayas over the fell yeah
2: the, the, the
0: uh the primaris one yeah yeah it, it's more expensive um it, it i think it does a lot more uh i did it also lose the minus did it also lose the minus two grav charge thing? it
2: did yeah that's uh, yeah. completely gone
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it has
2: the new void shields, which are really interesting to see how those work. Uh they're like I think this is a better version of the void shield rule than maybe we've ever seen before.
1: Yeah, it's I that's the rule I wanted to point out is that I I like this rule. Mm-hmm. I would like to see it in the future. It's a cool rule.
2: Yeah. Um for anyone who hasn't seen it, like the basically each of your void shields is, like, three phantom wounds that are not on your profile and just kind of, like, sit out in the null zone. Um... And those wounds are like their own pool. So even though if you have two Void Shields with like three wounds apiece, a single six damage hit from a LAS Cannon will only drop one of your two Void
0: Shields. And each of them
2: have to be knocked down before they can deal any damage to the tank.
0: Here's how I thought of it. Each of your vehicles has a Space Marine Terminator magnetically attached (laughs) to it. And the Space Marine Terminator rotates around the vehicle... Uh in orbit and whenever a gun were to shoot your vehicle the terminator gets in the way and absorbs the blast and then evaporates Uh and it gives you a five up invuln also yeah yeah well it's a terminator it has a yeah yeah of course (laughs) so
1: yeah it's yeah no i i I like that rule i think it's pretty interesting i'd like to see future iterations of that rule it's a big 30 wound vehicle with these two little pools that like that you know you had to get through them first and you had to get creative with how you're going to take this thing down Mm -hmm. and i think that's cool yeah yeah it's
2: neat i i like it it is a unique forge world rule that is done in a way that i feel like works rather than being like really wacky like each time this vehicle is wounded roll a d6 and if the increase is more than half of the opponent's ap then remove one counter from it's like no it's just it's got like three phantom wounds it's it's not that yeah. complicated
0: yeah yeah uh, yeah i agree 100% uh now that's it that's the end of the book space marine dreadnoughts um rap space marine dreadnoughts in general the leviathan is not
2: dead yet
0: seven. It's, it's, uh, yeah, but it's also
2: like a hundred points cheaper. That's true.
0: That's that's fair. It's it's
2: definitely no longer an untouchable brick. but it it's... has some interesting gun options. It's way cheaper. Yeah, it's no longer it it it's not a list defining
0: piece,
2: but I think it's still usable.
0: Yeah, you could tell that GW went in there with the intent. To make these le- the problem units less broken, uh, yeah. the world When Scorpius went down to 170 points, but lost the ability to shoot twice. The Leviathan right. Dreadnought lost the toughness, lost lost uh, a weapon skill and ballistic skill, lost some shots on its best gun, uh, and then lost some points too. While you're at it, wait, actually, yeah, 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 lost a significant amount of points, yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it, GW is it looks more like streamlining. Um, I don't think people are going to take the Leviathan dreadnought, but I might be wrong. We'll see.
2: I don't think the top lists are gonna take a Leviathan dreadnought. I think some people are still gonna bring it and it's still gonna be usable. It's like a lot of the other stuff we've been talking about in this book. It's like, yeah, it's okay. If you wanna bring one, you can. And it's not bad. It can do good work. Uh, you know, you can you can bring your like weird Meltalances or Grav Flux and just like Vanish some vehicles, and it's pretty all right. But it's no longer going to be the center of the Broviathan list.
0: Yeah. Now, now, to be fair to myself, uh, Sean, people are going to take whatever they want, anyways. We're going yeah. have, There's <laughs> Elias Eisendon is going to appear at the next tournament, guaranteed. <laughs> some random person will be like, "Oh, Elias Isonon's in my my eighth edition index," and then mm-hmm. we're going <laughs> to he- have to explain to him. Uh, what, what GW does, anyways? Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, I think you're right. Uh, people are going to take, people are going to take a variety of these units. Um, I'm interested to see what people take when codexes start coming out. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the Space Wolves and the Deathwatch codex is going to shake anything up um, b- beyond what they're already doing. Uh, so I don't think either of them are going to look at you know the Felblade and think like I needed this right um, you know they're they're gonna look good on their own but yeah uh we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see and let us know in the comment section on youtube on frontline gaming.org uh pod me in any place you you're listening to this podcast on facebook let us know what you think what is forgeworld's role in the ninth edition what direction are they going to take and what are some of the cool things that you like or dislike about the forgeworld compendium and what you saw i'm curious to hear what you have to say all right this is the end of the episode. For those of you who don't care, thank you for listening so much. Don't forget to go out and vote. However, if you listen to the podcast, you know at the end of every episode, we like to open the floor to our patrons. And this, month, this episode is no exception. If, you're, if you want to ask us questions that we answer live on the air, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics uh, for one Starbucks cup of coffee a month. You get to ask us cool questions. You get access to our Discord, our community uh, on Facebook. Um, you get to ask us questions on Patreon or me, questions on Patreon. Um, you get access to all of the co-hosts who come onto the show. Uh, and you get to ask us questions. It's so cool. Uh, it helps us keep the lights on. Please do it. And so we're going to jump right into it. Right. Oh, and one final thing I uh, would like to say to the patrons. Thank you to everyone who came out for the Wednesday stream, including Ben Jurek himself. We played some Hello? Among Us. Uh, there were ten people. We streamed it. Uh, it is actually currently up for stream on the Facebook in the Facebook group for the patrons. So if you've signed up for Patreon, you don't even have to sign up for the Patreon. Uh, you don't have to sign up for the Patreon uh, for more than a month. You can just sign up for a month and you get access to the Facebook group forever. So you know, it's really no reason why you shouldn't sign up at least once um, because you get to see me get voted off on Among Us twice in a row. I was the crewmate nine times, the imposter zero times, and I was killed more by my own crewmates than I was by the impostors. I'm In fairness, of... you
2: are extremely sus,
0: Pop. I'm very He's sus. He's aggressive! Yeah, yeah, that's that's what you get. <laughs> I just like watching blood flow. I do not care <laughs> where the blood comes from, whether I'm the crewmates <laughs> or the impostor, uh, but I just thought that was real funny. So if you'd like to see me get killed more by crewmates as an innocent bystander than by the bloodthirsty alien zombie monster things. Um you can head on over to Patreon, and give us a sub and you can look at that on our Facebook group live. Um, anyways, let's go on to those patron questions. First question comes from Pathan Nathaniel. What is there to be excited about in the new indexes if you aren't a Custodes player? For me it looked like 90 to 95% nerfs and then maybe two to three unit buffs. Um, um one go. thing that people should be excited about.
1: Well, I mean, I'm over here as a as a green skin cheering uh orc player, and all the orc stuff, like the rest of the book, met, but good enough to run, and I'm pretty excited to try those units out.
2: Yeah, and even though they're probably not great, I'm gonna try out shadow specters and their phoenix lord because they look okay, and I like those models.
0: Um, one thing I'm personally excited about is the Necron tomb sentinel. However, one thing I think everyone should be kind of excited about is for Lords of War to come back. Uh, now, this is definitely a, a salty subject for some players because Lords of War have always kind of been controversial um, with their you know ability to play in 2,000-point games. However, I've always thought they were terrible for the game. Um, and I it's going to happen. Eradicators are going to get nerfed. It's, it, we don't know when, but it's definitely going to happen. So many people are complaining about them. Eradicators, Outriders, and Blade Guard veterans will one day be nerfed. And when Eradicators do get nerfed, the random super heavies that every faction kind of got access to uh, that lost its point drops, like the Castus and the blades, and the Barbed Hero Duels and all, all those big dudes, they're, I can see them making a comeback with just the direction that it's going. And um, Horde, Hordes are still a thing that you'll see. Um, and what I think it ma- makes all of that exciting is we'll get more of a kind of rock, paper, scissors Z kind of meta, um, maybe like a rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, where Horde players, Horde lists beat these Super Heavy lists, but these Super Heavy lists specifically keep Space Marines in check because Space Marines without Eradicators will have a hard time dealing with all of these Super Heavies. Um, but yeah, it, it, I just, I'm interested to see where they come, where where they kind of fit their role uh, because in Eighth Edition GW clearly took a step in the direction of making all of these unplayable in two thousand point games, um, and they've kind of real dialed that back a little bit. So they're doing the kind of League of Legends esque um, small nerfs, small buffs uh, to see how, where the meta goes, and I like it. So that I think that's exciting. Uh, all right, um, Kelsey has an Eldar question. From what we've what I've seen online of Irolith, the Phoenix Lord of the Shadow Specters. Uh, he has a four plus plus, and the Wraith Seer has an a all AP one. Um, okay, so ignoring AP one ability, do you think that these rules are going to be used for other Eldar models? Like, do you think Phoenix Lords are going to have a four up Invuln, and do you think um, potentially Wraith Lords are going to have ignore AP one?
2: I don't it's a space think so. Question. Um, the Wraith Seer has always been a little bit of a divergence from the other Wraith units. Um, and, like, the Scathic Wraith Knight didn't get that, so I don't think it is going to be, like, a feature of Wraith units. Uh, at least that would be my guess. Um, I do think that the Phoenix Lords will get a universal invuln. They've kind of realized that, like, characters need that if they want to be able to do anything. Um, but we will see. It it's It's not an absolute call, I would say.
0: I like 4-up invulns on characters. It doesn't make them extremely powerful, but your character should occasionally just shrug off like 3 last cannons and live. And Because you know, they're, cause they're badass. They're like, they've are like they got a little bit of plot armor. Um, yeah. so I like the 4-up invuln on Phoenix Lords specifically. Um, I think
1: 4-up invulns is a sweet spot on any of the character invulns. Yeah,
2: and I think All they've right. realized that 3-up invulns are a bad thing to have running around in the game.
0: Yes, they should be very rare. Uh okay. Um, Tristan wants to know what does GW need to do to make blades and similar Lords of War competitive. Ah, uh, we talked about this before the episode started, so th- this is where I wanted to rehash this conversation, Ben and Sean. So yeah. obviously, uh, the patron is asking us about um what GW needs to do to make similar Lords of War competitive, but we were talking before the podcast about you know wh- where is the trade off? What where where do you all stand personally? when it comes to a Lord of War uh, and and taking it in that detachment, right? Because I feel like a, a lot of Lords of War across the board are, look really good. And then the first thing anyone says is, ah, oh, but it's a Lord of War. You have to lose CP. So, uh, question for Ben and Sean, but also to the, the general listening public in general. Uh, what do... That was redundant. Um, what do, what do uh, Lords of War have to do to justify that three CP? Do you think that's just a flat like all lords of war are now pretty bad unless they're amazingly good um or what's the deal there
1: they either need to be incredibly compelling
0: um and not you know immediately die
1: once they hit the board Uh, like they need to they need to be a centerpiece at that point which i think is kind of the idea behind lords of war but the rules on a lot of lords of war are just like it's good but is it worth me to pay the points plus this cost and the detachment in general like it's 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 hard to justify in most cases unless you're going like full on, I'm gonna run three of them, you know. It's so it's it's difficult to kinda of argue the point of wanting to take it. I think if they in the future either bring that cost down or give a detachment, like allowing brigades to take one Lord of War for free would be pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, I feel like the three C P tax is a little bit too high for them right now. Um, it's just a bit more than you'd like to pay many of them have an acceptable point cost, but then you add on the CP cost and put them in the context of a world where Eradicators and, and other high damage, not just Eradicators, but Eradicators are the worst offender, um, exist and are able to just sort of like vaporize units almost regardless of size, um, and it they start to look not great. But my, my hot take here, uh, and, and brace yourselves, I'm okay with Lords of War not being a part of the game. I feel like we've sort of become desensitized to that, but there is a there was a time when Bane Blades being fielded in armies was not legal. Um and honestly I'd rather move a little bit more back towards that. Um move Lords of War towards like you wanna you oh you wanna bring that? Okay, play Titanicus. Or play Apocalypse. Both of those have support for that kind of thing. Or play like a, a 3000 point game um i kind of feel like lords of war shouldn't be featured in one to two thousand point games
0: yeah i think that's something i think that's something we disagree on but that's okay um, yeah. because i see your point completely they can create feels bad moments um which and, and they are very very hard to balance um, yeah especially for a two thousand point game so and, and that's my there. big
2: problem is that um they can create feel-bad moments for both players, both the player who is against them and the player using them, because when your, your big, cool model gets picked up in a single turn, it it feels bad. It's
0: not fun. Now, let's talk about a Lord of War unit. So, uh, this patron, Pedro John, wants to know, why are all of you jumping ship to Nids so that you can field your hero fins, and what <laughs> colors are you going to paint them? So, th- this is kind of another bigger question that we alluded to, and that's, uh, they've got moved to heavy support slot, which is like really good right and yeah. i feel like gw should and this is kind of answering tristan's question as well previously um i feel like gw should really look at, at, and evaluate like what they want a lord of war to be right yeah. like the armagers they're lords of war but they're less than 200 points they're like they're well, clearly not lords of war the, like the,
2: but let's be fair there the armagers only exist so that they could expand the nightline to a second model
0: yes i feel like it was lazy they feel like they could have yeah. just gone in there and just been like okay w- w- the armagers they're not lords of war so for those of you who want to splash them in your astro military lists and stuff you can we're gonna make them like elites and then just say like you can take three for every one night you have and it doesn't take up a detachment slot something like that yeah. i don't know they, it was- could have given them their own detachment i i
2: well, but they wanted you to be able to feel like two big knights and four little knights and have that be a super heavy detachment. You could and still
0: do that if you made them ignore detachment rules.
2: No, because like you only have two prim-text. big knights, so you wouldn't be able to put them in a super heavy. <laughs>
0: well, I said I said two armagers. I said three armagers per knight,
2: but... Right, but, but, but what I'm saying is if you have two big knights and like three or four or whatever little knights, that's not a legal super heavy detachment oh, if they're I not lords saying. of war. And that's that's why they exist. They exist to help fill out a super-heavy detachment with knights.
0: I guess that's fair. Just get rid of the super-heavy I don't like the super-heavy detachment to begin with, but anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing.
2: Um, uh, but... but
0: ba- <laughs> yeah, I agree your with your core
2: point that G.W. needs to decide, like, what does a Lord of War mean, and how big is it really? Because on the one hand, you have the monolith, and on the other hand, you have the barbed hyrodol. And it's like, wait a second. These are like... The same size unit, maybe the monolith is slightly bigger, but it's not really much higher wound count or anything like that. Um, Why is the one a Lord of War and the other one was made not a Lord of War as an explicit choice? It's it's just a really weird decision.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Do you have anything else to add to that, Ben? Um... Um, not on that conversation
1: specifically, but I didn't want to answer the viewer's question. I prefer my oh, tier no, 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 to be no. in the uh, black xenophage uh, color scheme and with like green acid and stuff.
0: Yeah, okay. All right. Patron Tim wants to know, do you expect a more balanced book with a different group of people writing the rules now? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> easy, easy answer, well, yes. and they, they're it's GW writing the rules rather than Forge World kind of struggling to understand what GW does, which makes all the difference.
1: My my favorite part about the rulebook um is that they reference a lot of book rules that already exist. So if they change that rule, it's already like see rule in this book. So like the ramshackle rule hits a lot of org vehicles now that it didn't before, um, and they're like see the truck data sheet.
0: Yeah. So, I actually think that we're going to see more balance coming out, uh, coming from GW in the coming books. The the issue is really... Oh, well, the ATF... I completely forgot about the Primaris ATV bike thing. Well, okay, listen. <laughs> space Marines are going to be top tier. Uh, I think that over time, GW is going to re- rein them in. Uh, and make everything more balanced. The Necron Codex is a really well internally balanced codex. It's a good codex. It, in any other edition that you know that isn't dominated by, so obviously dominated by Space Marines, the Necron Codex would be just a solid codex. It would be like the Dark Eldar Codex at the beginning of 8th edition. Just a really good solid codex, some good stuff, some good identity, you know, just giving more life to a faction that needed it. The Space Wolves and the Death Watch Codex, the Death Watch Codex might be a big problem. I think. I, I agree. Um, we'll see. But so that's for later. <laughs> yes, but it looks like it might be a problem. The Space Wolves Codex looks solid. Overall, I think we're going to see more balanced books. And then we just have to keep the GW interns away from, like, Indominus box rules writing. Because the Indominus box rules were probably written before the Space Marine Codex. So they thought Eradicators shooting twice made perfect sense. They're just like, oh yeah, there's... What are, what are aggressors at? 170 points a model? Ah. We'll make Eradicators shoot twice. They're, they're basically an aggressor. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's. I have a whole rant on Space Marines so that we're not going to go into here. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but um, overall, I think that GW is going to bal- move towards balancing the, the game more. Um, I'm excited for that. So, patron Nick at uh, Forge Worlds completely emerged with Codex units. Would this be healthy or unhealthy for the game five years from now?
1: I think it'd be I healthy. think yours would be a new edition. I would yeah. actually be on board for it.
2: Uh, that would be cool to just see Forge World fully integrated to the game. I don't think they're going to do it because keeping Forge World out of the codex gives them a degree of flexibility that they wouldn't otherwise have. Um, and I think they want that.
1: I mean, for, I see it on like a different perspective. Like I see... The Forge World—they keep making rules for these units because these models exist, and they don't want to just like completely squat them out. Yeah. In some cases, but they're not going to exactly like make new molds or do anything to like keep that model around. Like, oh well, we have the resin mold laying like, around. Why not? Why not just make more?
0: Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question comes from Patron Nick. Uh, why did they neuter most of the Tau Forge World line?
2: I mean, they mostly didn't. Um, those units were bad before, and they're bad now. They didn't really change things um a, a lot of people are getting angry about like the yavara and yeah it it kind of sucks now but let's be honest it wasn't good for quite a while and most of the units they removed i had never seen on the tabletop anyways so it, it's a lot of irrelevant changes and some of them weren't even downgrades
1: and like the Townar thing come on guys like yeah. that obvious miss yeah it's
0: okay Uh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, Patron Kane wants to know what are your top three competitive choices from the book from any faction? So this is just choices. I'm gonna say my top three because I already had it. Uh dreadclaw drop dreadclaw drop pods. Definitely top three choice. Termite assault drills got better for some reason. Definitely a top three choice. And then my final top three choice is Custode's core units. That's a lot of units. I know, this is it's way more than one. So it's fair. If I had to pick one, I'd pick one of the dreadnoughts. I don't know which one. Probably the Gallus. I really like the Gallus <laughs> personally. <laughs> it's it's just you know it got the minus one damage and you know it's mm-hmm. it's cheaper nine wounds. Anyways,
1: what are you, Sean.
2: Um, my list is actually real similar to Pablo's, which I think says a lot about the book. Um, I am going to say the, the Dreadclaw, the Termite, and then I'm actually going to put the Hornet in as the third the Hornet, one, yeah. because
0: That's a good
2: one. Craftworlds plausibly gets a book in the not-too-distant future, and depending on what has changed, that potentially becomes a really good unit for them. So, it's it's maybe a little bit of a Dark Horse candidate, but I'm going to go ahead and slip it in there as my pick.
1: I'm going to go with the termite <laughs> i believe that's kind of common uh, the best <laughs> yeah are one we're gonna go with the termite uh we're gonna go with the malanthrope because i think um, if you're okay. a tyranid player and you don't have a malanthrope um you should get one yeah uh and then i uh, you know i got a shout out to my greenskins uh I'm going, to, I'm going to put out them put out the kill tank that 270.5 point, mm. point tank is real tempting you
2: you you rate the kill tank over the the war boss just out of curiosity
1: Oh no I don't. The Warboss is a superstar. <laughs> I really to say, every he, was, a he, he
2: and the Malanthrope were my two other big He said
1: competitive, picks. he said competitive.
0: You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very... yeah.
1: War, every like if you don't have a Warboss, either Kitbash one
0: or buy one. Like it get a Warboss and bike. The Warboss yeah. and bike is, was a bread and butter choice. All right, finally last question comes from patron Robert. Do you see any reason now to keep the Forge Old ban in most tournaments or are the rules decent enough now that everybody can field their toys? Um Forge Old... Okay, so I think people are gonna ban Forgeworld no matter what, as long as old grognards run tournaments. Um, mm. you know some some people have been banning Forgeworld since before Forgeworld existed. um and, and they continue to uh, overall, m- in my experience, um and I, and I have humbly say I have quite a few experience in this particular subject. Uh, most people do not ban Forgeworld. that's that's actually very rare, um, uh, but I understand that it does happen. Um so I think that at this point if your TO banned Forge World in 8th edition they're probably just going to keep banning Forge World.
2: Yeah. Forever. It's it's out of momentum more than anything. Um it, the the power level of the Forge World rules is absolutely in the same ballpark that the basic GW
0: rules are in. Yeah, it, it, not only that but the the impact of Forge World as it will transcend generations. It's like radioactive like waste <laughs> and Forgeworld being OP like they're just they're gonna yeah. you know outlive all of us like so some mouse somewhere is gonna tell its two-headed buddy like dude Forgeworld's way too strong and the mouse is gonna be like right
1: so I'm willing to take a bet that two years from now there's gonna be a unit in this compendium that gets busted this, due to suit some combination of rules or change down the line oh, I'm not taking like, that bet something something on something in this list in this compendium is going to become busted like people are going to complain about it i don't
2: know um all of these seem middle of the road enough that i i'm not sure i would take that bet either it's i won't say it's impossible but i i don't like feel like the leviathan
1: like... wasn't that crazy until the combination of rules <laughs> <ended>. <laughs> but,
0: that's true
2: but it was like a big expensive thing with big numbers which most of these are not. Um, like, they, they moved away from the like, Fort World pieces being like huge things with weird rules.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think I, think, um, I could definitely see it happening. I think I'm more in agreement with Sean here. Uh, and the other thing, too, Ben, is that I think if it does happen, I think GW will jump on it pretty quick. Uh, They're they pretty space proactive room. these days. Yeah, unless it's a I'll, space for me thing then it'll might. be like a
1: three it'll be a three month run it'll, yeah. it'll like there'll be something that like has three months of
0: glory before it gets nerfed. but it only takes like one lvo right like the chaplain dreadnought was like it was obviously stupidly broken but it was only broken for like four months no three months october right october november december january february it's like four months the chaplain dreadnought was only good for four months and it got them to destroy dreadnoughts on uh book scale yeah i'm <laughs> saying something like that Yeah. Will probably happen at some yeah, point. I mean, so. yeah, it, it'll, it'll have an, It'll have a huge impact if it does happen, but um, it just it also depends on when. If it happens like right after the LVO, and then they fix it like right after Adepticon, I don't think it'll have that big of an impact. Uh, whereas, oh, yeah, I, I can agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. Right. and that's no knock to Adepticon. I just think that uh, something happening at the beginning of the the ITC season, in particular versus the end just feels like it carried more weight or like it would obviously have a bigger impact if it happened during the summer where more tournaments happen and stuff too. So
1: yeah, something being broken in December is not a big deal.
0: Do <laughs> you mean something not being broken in December is a big, something being broken in December. Is I mean, broken just, and fixed by. Oh, December, oh yeah. Yeah. Say. Yeah. That's also true too. Um, so anyways, uh, that is it everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Sean and Ben. If they loved both of your banter and voices, where can they find both of you?
2: We are present on the In the Finest Hour podcast, uh, which you can find on Facebook and uh, Podbean and, you know, various other platforms where that sort of thing exists. Uh, We have a Patreon and whatnot as well, if people really like what we do, but we we put out our our one-hour episodes every week for folks' listening enjoyment.
1: You get to hear me and Sean and Shaylin go back and forth, and I get to be evil.
0: It's it's only an hour, too. They they do a good job of keeping it to an hour, um, unlike this one hour and 46 minute monstrosity of an episode. So uh, I definitely highly recommend listening to their podcast. It's great. Um, And that is it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You are all, of course, the best listeners in the world. Thank you for sticking around for these 135 minutes of podcasting but I hope you all had a good time and as always have a good one